2: Today I want to tell you about a journey that I've been on for most of my life. Ever since I was a kid, I've heard tales of Bigfoot and wild men while spending time with my friends and family. As I grew older and read more about the paranormal, my interest in cryptids and other things strange only deepened. That's why I'm so excited to share with you what I've personally become involved with. The Untold Radio Network. The Untold Radio Network is a live streaming podcast network that airs a new show every day across all podcast platforms, YouTube, and more. They have eight different shows on all sorts of exciting topics, such as Bigfoot, cryptids, UFOs, aliens, and much more. I even have my own show called Weird Encounters, where I talk about all things strange. This is more than just a podcast network. It's a community that allows me to meet so many amazing people who share their stories and experiences with the strange. If you're interested in hearing more of these stories and learning more about the paranormal and cryptids, make sure you check out the Untold Radio Network for all kinds of exciting shows. It's free to subscribe, so what are you waiting for? Visit www.untoldradionetwork.com today. Hey everyone, it's Brian. Before we get started with the show, I want to take a couple of seconds and talk to you about something that's really important to everybody. A good night's sleep. Recently, I found myself having a hard time falling and staying asleep. I was waking up every morning with shoulder and back pain, and I felt like I'd been in a fight the entire night instead of getting a good night's sleep. I thought it was just stress and maybe the back issues from many years in law enforcement and carrying a heavy-duty belt. But then I got to thinking about my mattress. It had been several years since we replaced it, so I started taking a look around. And that's when I found Vitalis Sleep. We ordered their 12-inch Platinum Copper Cool Hybrid mattress and two of their adjustable cooling pillows. After the first night, I woke up the following morning and I felt like a new man. I had no shoulder and back pain, and I felt better than I'd felt in years. So if you're having trouble sleeping or you're waking up feeling groggy and tired in the mornings, or if you can't remember the last time you changed out your mattress, head over to vitalisleep.com right now. They're offering all of my listeners a 20% discount on anything you purchase off the website. Just enter the promo code odyssey20 at checkout and you'll get 20% off of your entire order. The link is in the show notes. So head over there now and start sleeping better tonight.
0: I was listening to the story about. It was a story of a family in Washington, and the little boy called the Bigfoot the Cowboy Man. And he had apparently it had made an effort to steal this kid. And it hit me. My children were in that playpen behind me, with nothing but a mosquito net over them. It could have crept up behind me and taken both of my children, and I wouldn't have known. Them.
3: father just got like a mustang or something from wyoming okay he had it out in the corral because he couldn't put it in the barn with the in the stalls with the other horses it would kick and made all the other horses nervous Had a seminal indian working the horse, trying to break it every day. They had it out in the corral. This skunk ape snuck up behind this horse and grabbed it by on its hindquarters. This particular horse kicks out, jumps over the ground, runs into the pasture, you know, to get away. At this point, the ranchers out there just blasted away with the dirty, dirty. The skunk ape runs into the swamp.
2: I went up there uh, one day after that, or two days after that, I went up there and sat in the silence up there and it, I'm telling you man, it was free, it was crazy. You know, it was, it, there was a crazy vibe up there still. I did what I could to kind of get things under control, but I told her, I said, you need to get off this property. I, I feel like it, no matter how strong you are, it's almost like standing in the ocean. You can't stand still without moving your feet. You're gonna get knocked over eventually, no matter how strong, whatever. It, you, you can't withstand a barrage of, of weird spiritual energy.
4: All right, Lisa, you got anything else before we get to it?
5: Um, No, not really. Uh, did you want to put that picture up? Or oh, was-
4: I do. Oh, thank you so much for reminding me of that. I've got it on here.
5: I think everybody will like that.
4: You, you go ahead and tell the backstory about that.
5: One. Okay. Um. So this picture came to me from a friend of mine. And they were uh, out four-wheeler riding in the woods. And they went to the old Fort Douglas it used to be a church and a school, and it is in the middle of nowhere. And when I say in the middle of nowhere, it's in the middle of the National Forest, nowhere. And uh, she was in there, and there was a, it's a, it's a hot spot for, for ghosts. A lot of people go there, try to pick up orbs, try to pick up voices. Just, it's just a very active spot. So she was in the back with her camera and a guy was up front and you'll see the picture when Brian, when Wayne puts the picture up, he was on the stage with a, with a voice recorder. She was in the back, snapping the pictures, trying to catch orbs with her camera and it's pitch dark in there. And the only light is coming from this guy's cell phone who's on the stage. And I will just let Wayne put the picture up. And y'all tell me if you see what came out in this picture.
4: See how quickly it takes y'all to notice.
5: Yeah. And I sent it to Wayne and Wayne is like, holy crap. (laughs) Y'all see that? I don't think we've got our full crew in here tonight.
4: No, we don't. They'll trickle in. Yeah. Let me blow this up a little bit. See. Yeah. Is that not creepy as hell?
5: Oh, it's creepy as hell. Y'all see that little girl? Yeah. And imagine seeing that after you've been in there when you didn't see it, and then you look at your phone when you get back home. You're going through your pictures, and you so find that's that the phone. case. That's the case with them. They didn't know until they no, got no didn't know it till they got home, and they were going through all their pictures.
4: Yeah, look at her leg. Like, yeah, that's,
5: that's like, what. That's what's way, so weird about it.
4: Over, it just doesn't look natural. Yeah. <sighs> what's up everybody welcome back to paranormal odyssey the clip you just heard was sent to me by lisa paranormal world productions associate producer for the live shows both my show and brian's show sasquatch so odyssey live over on youtube lisa is the associate producer of those shows she texted me morning one morning a couple weeks ago told me about a picture that a couple of her friends who were paranormal investigators happened to snap while they were out. She sent it to me and I was blown away by it. It's really, really cool. Really, really creepy. That's the picture that we were talking about in this clip that, that you just heard. I'm going to be sharing that picture on all of our social media platforms, as well as probably the blog over On uh, paranormalworldproductions.com If you guys go check that out Let me know what you think about it On this episode I had Al From the Bronxville Paranormal Society Come back I actually had Brian His partner Had Brian scheduled to come on For his follow up visit Well the morning of Al shot me a text message Telling me that Brian The night before Had sustained a massive heart attack and was in the hospital recovering after surgery. Brian is doing well, I'm happy to report. He is at home recovering, and we are going to be talking to him soon when he's ready to get him to come back to make up that that appearance. But Al was awesome and gracious enough to fill in for me so we didn't have to cancel the show, and I, I really really appreciate that al thank you so much buddy all right guys i want to ask everyone to please go rate and review the show wherever it is you get your podcasts if you've had an encounter would like to come on and share it with me shoot me an email to wayne at paranormal world com. guys i want to ask everyone to please head over to tiktok as well as instagram and follow us over there also want to remind everyone about paranormal odyssey live which can be found every friday evening 7:30 eastern over on youtube hit that subscribe button please Hi right, guys i know that's enough of all of that i know you are ready i know i'm ready what do you say we get started up, brother? Hey, Wayne. Hi,
5: Lisa. Nice to meet you. Nice to see you.
4: Hey, uh, did you see that picture, Al?
3: Yeah, obviously I've seen that picture, yes. Yeah. Pretty pretty interesting photo. I got a couple of questions about it. Was that photo taken for a window?
5: No. No, No, she was actually in the back of that room when she took the picture.
3: Okay, my next question is, the woman's face that's in the photo, Mm -hmm. does... Does she know who that is? No. Yeah. No. Okay. Nope.
4: Looks like a little
5: girl. And yeah. It just,
3: it just looks like the head belongs to someone else and the body belongs to a different figure. Yeah. It doesn't look like the head goes to that body.
5: Exactly. Yeah. That's what I thought too.
3: That's why I asked if it was through a window because it could have been a reflection of somebody behind her with a flash or something like that.
5: Yeah. Because
3: mm. you could see like where the head is going up to his shoulder. There's like a blue line. Yeah. And, and there's like a blue around him or his head on that. You know what I mean? And that's definitely the flesh. Um, oh, that's the, he's got a, he's got a flashlight pointing up in the ceiling. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's what that is. If that light is he's holding up in the ceiling. Is that a regular flashlight or is that a UV light?
5: I, d- I don't know. I okay. I know he had.
3: Because it looks blue to me and it looks like it may be a UV light. I'm not sure, you know, um, I don't know.
5: I, I don't know. But um, the head does not look
3: like it goes to that body.
5: Yeah, definitely not. Definitely no, absolutely not. Absolutely
6: not. No.
4: You know what What I was kind of thinking? You've you seen these creepy ass Asian movies about these little Asian ghost girls that tort mm-hmm. and their that's, that's the the feeling I
3: got. What was the name of that movie where the kid came the, out of the ring?
5: The ring. The ring.
3: Yes, the ring the hell out of my daughter for years.
5: I was scared that crap out of me too. <laughs> oh,
3: that was funny. Yeah. Uh, so I just a quick update on Brian. Uh, just as we were going on, wife called. I couldn't pick up the phone, but she did send me a text. She said he's very tired. He's still in the hospital. He's resting. And as um, soon as I get off of here, I will call her and get a full detail on what's going on with him. But as of right now, he's
4: um. He's still in the hospital, and he's very, very tired. Okay, so did he have a legitimate heart attack, or was it just a scare? Or- no,
3: no. The doctor told her that she would come home from the gym, and she found him on the on the couch, sweating profusely, white as a ghost, clutching his chest. And she dragged him out and put him in the car and raced him to the emergency room. They took him right
4: into surgery, and uh, the doctor said if she would have came home 10 minutes later, he would have been dead. Oh my god, so he did. Yeah. have Yeah, yeah,
3: mm, that's terrible. <laughs> and Brian being Brian, as they're doing the surgery on him, putting the scent in, uh, the doctor noticed that one of his clogged arteries was starting to branch off, like to create new arteries. And the doctor's like, Well, I've never seen this before, I know it happens, but. And Brian told the doctor, because my heart, because it's an alien heart, it's not a human heart. That's what he told the doctor in the middle of surgery. (laughs) He's so nuts. I'm sure the doctor probably thought he was hallucinating, you know. But uh, Brian being Brian, you know, that's what he said. Not a human heart, it's an alien
4: heart. Um, How was he even conscious during the surgery?
3: They apparently they don't put you to, they don't put you to sleep anymore. I don't know. I'm not a heart surgeon. I don't know how they do these surgeries. I was told uh, either they go in through the leg or they go in through the wrist. I'm not sure. But apparently he was awake. And
4: um, no wait a minute, you know, Al. Al, you're, you're you're telling me you're not a heart surgeon? Is that what you're no,
3: no, no. Um, I'm a brain surgeon, but that's a little story. <laughs> 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 but um, yeah,
6: no, and I'm sure. If they were going in with like through with a through a vein,
3: they probably had a monitor that they were watching. Yeah, and I'm sure Brian probably told them to turn it towards him so he could tell them what to do.
4: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you're you're probably right. You know, we we had Brian on, and I was really excited to to have him back. We had such a yeah. Time. He was
3: he, he was in bed. He could barely talk, and he's telling you know his wife talking to his wife on He's telling her. Tell Al he's gotta fill in for me tonight. I had I had an interview set up. He's gotta call Wade. and then I was like, dude, I'll take care of Wayne. Don't worry about it. If he wants me to come on, I'll I'll come on, you know. Don't worry about this, just worry about yourself, you know.
4: That makes me feel good. The man's over fine and he's thinking about paranormal odyssey. Oh. Yes,
3: and he did not wanna he did not wanna disappoint you, you know. What I didn't mean he to wanna leave you hanging.
4: All right. Well, I can't wait till till he's feeling better and we can get him back. Yes,
3: absolutely. Yeah.
4: Uh, So, Al, what's on the slate tonight, buddy? I you
3: know, I've done I've done so many interviews in the last two months. I don't remember where we left off. I I know we talked about Bigfoot on the first one. I think we we touched on Dogman on the second one.
4: Stay tuned for more Paranormal Odyssey. You know what we we did hit on. You shared your Bigfoot encounter, which is one of the best firsthand encounters. right?
3: And I, I almost positive the second one we did was Dogman related, because you wanted to go there. And no, I said, no, no, it
4: was it was a paranormal, wasn't it?
3: it was paranormal?
4: So what you, I don't know.
3: I don't remember. I've done so many. I can't keep track. But was who?
4: You and Brian and your cameraman went out and- oh
3: okay i told you the nuclear lake story okay
4: well, and then dogman uh, was the third
3: oh okay I thought, I thought okay okay i didn't remember which one we were on because like i said i've done so many and i've i've done like two or three three or four for some other people you know and uh yeah. apparently i'm doing a lot of stuff over in england and they like to do like um part one through four or five or whatever So. I'm um, just like I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. But um, if you want to talk dog men, we'll talk dog man tonight. Absolutely. like, not we're gonna go UFO? But we'll talk dog
4: man. No, you you've already done dog man. So let's let's. let's well, you through. said you said I
3: did. What you call it? I did. Um, I did uh, the paranormal
4: one. Yeah, we are on live broadcast, arguing in front of everybody. <laughs> <laughs>
5: I'm not,
4: we're not. arguing. I don't remember what we talked about. We
5: well, well the time, time I'm out. How about this, Uh, Al, since I don't know anything about the Paranormal Society you belong to, can you tell me about y'all just a little bit since I'm brand new to this? Yeah, um, uh, Bronxville is actually a little town in
3: Westchester, New York. And I worked there with a bunch of uh, friends of mine, and we're all into the paranormal. And we started going out on the weekends and going to different locations and investigating. And we were actually up here in the northeast, we have these ancient stone chambers. Okay. That nobody knows who built it. Try to pass them off as um root cellars. Right. They above ground and they're made with stones that weigh like 10 tons. You know what I mean? Right. So not root cellars. And we were at a, a Native American uh mountain called a Mountain. And uh, we were doing an investigation. And It was like five or six of us inside one of these ancient stone chambers, and a family was walking by as we were doing the investigation. And one of the kids said, "Wow, are you guys a paranormal team?" <laughs> you know, and I just blurted out, "Yeah, with the Bronxville Paranormal Society." I don't know where it came from; it just came out very naturally. And then um, the name just kind of stuck. BPS—it was easy to remember. And then my brother said, you know, you belong to other groups. Like, I belong to this UFO group. He says, and there's a lot of, you know, people in there with a lot of paranormal experience. You should put a real team together. It's just, instead of just going out with friends, you know, that don't know what they're doing. And I did. And
4: Brian was the first guy I picked. And uh, he's been my right-hand man ever since then. And uh, that's how the team actually came together and the name came together. Because we all worked in this one little town, you know. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, you know, i I'm remembering we did have it uh, scheduled for you to talk about your UFO stuff tonight. So if that's what you were expecting to do and that's what I was expecting, let's just let's just roll with that again. Yeah,
3: whatever whatever you want to do, man. I'm easy, you know. I got a ton of stuff, you know what I mean? I've just done three more paranormal investigations. So it's about it. yeah, so I mean so if you want to start with the UFO stuff, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I've, I've, I had my first UFO sighting when I was 10 years old. Um, my father had an A-frame garage. Me and my best friend were up on the garage listening to music, one night sky watching. And I'm looking north, he's looking south. And we have a little portable radio up there listening to the rock station out of New York City. And we seen these lights dancing in the sky really, really high, you know. And we're like, but that?" we couldn't figure out what it was. So I jumped off the garage roof, went into my father's garage. He had a big spotlight he used to use when he went grabbing at night. Put the light on the water and the crabs come right up to it. So I grabbed his spotlight and I went up on the roof and I said to my friend Rich, I said, watch this. And I did like a Morse code. And these three lights that were dancing just stopped. So Rich is like, whoa, what's that? He goes, let me try. So he did like a Morse code, a little bit different than mine. And they did it back and then i did it again and one dropped i mean this thing was as high as a star and in a thousandth of a second it was just above the air traffic coming out of the city and it was just like right there and we jumped off the roof as fast as we could and we ran into my room and hid under the bed and we don't worry getting abducted you know and my father came in us under the bed, so how you guys doing under the bed, dragged us out from underneath, and uh, that was my very first UFO experience. And then from that point on, I would started waking up with those bleeds at night in the morning. My there would be blood all over the wall, all over my pillow. One night, I got out of bed and I was sleepwalking, which is something I never really do. And I was taking these giant steps, and my mother father were watching the late news. And my father goes, Where are you going? and I said, I'm going home. He goes, oh, really? Where's home? And I said, the moon. And I was like, I thought I was walking up a stairway going up to the moon, going home. And he turned me around, kicked me in the ass and said, get back to bed. And uh, from that point on, it's just been like one uh, thing after another. 2012, I seen UFOs every single day, every single night. I thought I was losing my mind called my brother in Michigan. He's a parapsychologist. And I said, Frank, I think I'm losing my mind. And I told him what I was seeing. It was like, you have to take a camera. You have to get photographs of it. You got to get video of it. So I started driving back and forth to work with a camera because I was commuting from upstate to downstate. It was like an hour and 15-minute ride each way. And no matter when I went to work, it was always dark. It was either 4 o'clock in the morning going there or seven o'clock coming home at night so i'm always driving in the night and i'm typically not the kind of guy that thinks everything in the sky is a ufo i gotta get like a vibe i get a vibe and i get a feeling that something says pay attention to this this is important then i'll pay attention to it if i look up and i see a light flash, and i don't get any feelings i just keep going you know what i mean and um so, I was seeing every single different kind of craft you could possibly think of. And every single time I took the camera out to get a photograph of it, the camera wouldn't work. And it would say the cat's batteries were dead, but the batteries brand new. I'd take those batteries out, I put new batteries in, and it would still say the batteries were dead. One night I was coming home, and I seen what looked like uh, a different color, you know, different color sparklers that have to shoot off different colors. Yeah, I'm I'm driving home and I see what looks like a sparkler up in the sky shooting off these silver silver light. So um, I happen to be by an old ski resort. There was an old ski resort off the parkway, and I pulled into the parking lot. There's like an outpost now for, for the state troopers. I pulled into this giant parking lot and I'm looking at this thing and it was mesmerizing because even the colors went from silver to yellow to orange to red to purple. I mean, what what was really freaking me out was that the colors were so vibrant. They were the most purest colors I've ever seen, but I couldn't understand how I was seeing the blues and the dark greens and the purples against the black ink sky. You know what I mean? It was like, How am I seeing these darker colors? I can see the lighter colors, but what, you know, and I'm sitting there and I'm looking at it and I do a time check. Every time I see one, I check my watch to see what time it is, make sure I don't lose any time. And um, and then the thought came across my head, you know, I'm in a really, really big parking lot and the thing could probably land in here. So I should get the hell out. And I left. And I went home and I got home, I checked my watch, and no no time missing. Then another night I'm coming up the parkway and I'm getting closer to my house. And it was a parking ride off the parkway and it was, there was nobody in it. It was empty at that time of night. And, um, my car started sputtering. I was like, oh man, my car's going to die. I'm like, I'm I'm like a thousand feet from next to the exit. The car's going to die on a parkway. So I pulled off the, into the parking ride. And as I got the car into a spot, I looked up, and there above the, the gas station was something that I, I would describe as uh, what they call Ezekiel's wheel. In the Bible, Ezekiel seemed the wheel. That's what it looked like. It was parked over the gas station, and it was parked on a 45-degree angle. And it was just like it pulled up and through the through the crafting park. And it was looking at me. And I was looking at it. And I'm thinking, man, this thing is so low. I could hit it with a rock, you know? So I took out the camera. And of course, the camera didn't work. And I was like, look I was just looking at it. And I'm thinking, okay, I gotta call my wife to come get me. I'm dead in the water. And in the blink of an eye, boom, it was gone. And as soon as it pulled away. My car started back up and started working fine, and I went home. Then it was another night. I'm coming home. I go in the morning, and I see what I call a red – I called it the red craft. It looked like a football shape, and it was all red, and it had a red light in the middle, bright red light. It didn't flash or anything. And I started seeing this in the morning, and I started seeing it at night, and I started seeing it 50 miles away from where I live, by where I work, and I started seeing it over my house. Okay, I got to get a photo of Red Craft. And one day, it was, I live at the bottom of a sac, which is a, used to be a whole apple orchard. so it's a hill. And Red Craft was up over my house. So I said, I'm going to get a really good picture of this. I went up on the hill to get as close as I could get to it, you know. And I pulled out the digital camera, and of course, batteries were dead. Changed them out, new the batteries were dead. I drive down to the bottom of the hill, which is, like, a mile away. It's a mile loop. I drive to my driveway. The red craft floats over my house, goes away, headed towards the Hudson River. And as soon as it goes away, I start using the camera, and the camera's going off with no problem. And then there was another night. I was coming home. And it was like a V. Not a, Not a, It wasn't a triangle. It was a V. And it was pouring rain. And it was just sitting over a new door. They were building a strip mall off of the parkway. So it was like new new construction. But there wasn't any people in the, in any businesses in there yet. And it's this giant V. I mean, it was humongous. And it's got this light coming down out of the center of it. And I'm looking at this and I'm slowing down. And I'm thinking, I can't be the only guy in the park by seeing this. You know what I mean? And I said, okay, you know what? I got to turn around. I got to go get a better look at this. So I turned the car around, went to the, where the, the construction was being done and when I got there, there was fog about three, four feet high, just like maybe just above the top of the, right up to the top of the door where the window starts and every fiber of my being was telling. Don't get out of this car. You're not safe. Don't get out of this car.
6: But I pushed through and I opened the door and I got out
3: of the car because I wanted to go see. I thought this beam of light was actually sucking out the electricity of the, the of the strip mall. That's what I thought it was doing. And opened the car door, and man, I got. Every fiber of my body went crazy. And I said, get back in the car. Get back in the car. You're not safe. I didn't see anything under the fog. I didn't see anything but
6: this giant V that was all lit up with this light coming out of it. And I said, you know what? I better get in my
3: car. You know, I better listen to that little voice in my head. I better get the hell out of here. And I did. I left. I called my brother when I got home. And I said, Frank, you're not going to believe what I see tonight. He's like, "Okay, you got to go back. You got to go back. You got to get photographs. I said, "Okay." So my brother was a MUFON guy out in Michigan, right? And he was a, a MUFON investigator. So he told me what to do. So I went back that Sunday. Was my
6: next day off. And when I went back, there was a catch base off to the left of the strip mall, where all the water from the parking lot was draining into,
3: and. there was a a stream in front of the catch basin that was running so hard from that rain that we had, you could have surfed off. it. Okay.
6: But the catch basin was bone dry. I mean, like the dirt was crackling, you know, and I noticed I got up on uh, something high. I don't remember what I got up on, but I,
3: I took a picture of it. And I noticed that right around the catch basin where the water was, All the grass was burnt.
4: Stay tuned for more Paranormal Odyssey.
6: So
3: whatever this light was, it was siphoning up the water. At the same time was doing that, it was drying the dirt and burning the grass around it. There was a giant burn ring around the grass. And I got those pitches, took those pitches, and I sent them to my brother and I don't know, I don't know what he did with them, but I mean, that was crazy, you know? And then there was a, there was a time. My, aunt and my friend will call him Kyle. We're leaving work. That's was down in, down in Yonkers, New York, we're leaving work. And we were the last two guys to leave the building that night. It's pitch black. He just locked the door. We're leaving. And it's, I, it's freezing cold, Like it's, it's like 20 degrees out, but there's no wind. So it's not that bad. And We're just hanging out uh, shooting the breeze by the front of the cars. He was another UFO guy he believes in all of that stuff. And um, we're, we're just talking and I see way way in, up in the distance a star that looked like it was flickering, you know. So I, I said, Kyle, look at that. That's, that's a UFO man. It's coming it's coming for us, you know He was like, don't Al, don't mess around, man. I don't want to you know don't joke like that. And I was like, yeah. no, in all honesty, I thought it was a star with high altitude clouds going by, giving it the appearance of flickering, and to God, that's what thought it was. So I'm busting Kyle's chops because he's afraid. I said, watch this, and I go into my car, and I do a Morse code with my headlights. No sooner did I finish doing the Morse code, this star made a beeline towards us, right? now. We're in, we're in front of the building. There's a giant field outside the building, like the size of a football field, surrounded by trees, with no leaves on it, because this is the dead of winter. I'm going to say January, something like that, mid-January. And um, so we're standing there. We're looking at this thing. Now, he's freaking out. He wants to run back into the post office. And I was like, dude, if you go back in, you're going to set the alarm off both of the spectators are going to arrest both of us, you know? And I'm, like, trying to stop him from going into the building. And we watched this craft, and it was a V-shaped craft. As it got closer, it went from, a, like, a bright star or a light to, like, a V-shaped craft. And it got about 100 yards away from us, and it dropped out three red balls. And we watched these balls glide down, and it got to a certain height. And then they blinked out one after the other, after the other. And we were so mesmerized at those three red balls that we forgot to even look at the craft anymore. And then when we decided to look up to see what the craft was, the craft wasn't there. And then I heard a little voice in my head say, I'll look up. And we looked up and 50 feet above the building is this triangle-shaped craft right above us. The trees aren't moving. There's no sound. There's no wind. There's no nothing. Just the still of the night. And Kyle is freaking out because I'm telling you, I could have hit this thing with a rocket. It's it's gunmetal black, right? Or blue, whatever they call that gunmetal blue. And it turns as though it's on an axis. And it starts to glide away going south towards New York City. And if you blink your eye, you lose it in the night sky. And you won't be able to see the guy. And so then Kyle gets in his car. He goes north of the parkway. I go south down the parkway. I get home. I run up on a binoculars. I'm looking for it all over the place. And um, there's no, I, I couldn't find it. So that was pretty crazy.
4: And Yeah. Well, uh, let me uh talk okay. real quick. Yeah. Um, you, you know, being the Squatch Father, you know, Bigfoot, kind of your thing, uh, along with everything else, any of these things that, that you've talked about, would you call them, be comfortable calling them Orb?
3: No, everything I've talked about were with solid crafts at this okay. point. Yeah, now that we're not Orb, absolutely not, no.
4: Do you think that there is a connection between the Orb, UFOs, and Bigfoot?
3: I think the orbs, I think some are Bigfoots, trans, trans, uh, how do I put this? Creating this energy ball to go from one realm to the other. If they're going into a different dimension or coming into our dimension, they have to do it in an energy form, okay? Um, If they die here, They have to be buried here because they can't take them back to the other dimension. Because you can't go back to that dimension unless you transform into an energy form. Now, that that said, not all of those orbs that we see in the woods are Bigfoot. Some are other entities. I think there are other entities in the woods that we see as orbs. Um, Some my psychic calls
6: fairies some are other creatures maybe going in and out of different dimension some can be native american spirits some can be evil
3: you know what i mean dark energy dark and dark energy um but i think like those three red balls that that craft dropped out um from the distance we were or we were they looked small but i think if we were been right underneath them they would have been a lot bigger than what we would consider it to be an orb,
6: you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, and I think those things that they drop out are just drones scouts, um, what you would call it, looking for, I don't know, precious metals or whatever they're looking for, you
3: know, whatever they're programmed to find, that's what they're they're searching. They're they're out there searching for whatever they're programmed to look for. Um, but I don't think um that they are, you know, I don't necessarily think the bigfoots are coming out of the UFOs, and vice versa. You know, I think
4: when you find a location like that, where you have orbs and cryptids and UFOs. Um, you're probably in a place of high strangeness with a lot of energy. There's probably a portal there, and everything is using it to come and go lisa you look like you were getting ready to say yeah
5: i i just have a question about the morse code um what what were you saying in the morse code <laughs> oh
3: i don't know we were just we were flashing the light like three times stop two times and then three times you know what i mean i wasn't actually um flashing up, up any kind of code or any of you ten know, can use all that no idea what it was doing you know okay <laughs> Yeah, no, it wasn't it wasn't a message of any way like
5: come and visit me
3: or anything like that, no.
4: Now, um how do you I know that you've had some things happen to you, waking up with nosebleeds and, yeah, and know uh, walking, like, sleepwalking and stuff like that. Have you do you feel like you've ever been taken though, other than yes. these things?
3: Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've I've actually woke up two separate occasions and
6: had um, aliens in the bedroom with me. Yeah. Cool.
4: Well, let's yeah. hear about
6: that. Yeah.
3: Well, okay. Well, I'll give you the short version because we, we don't have a lot of time. Um, the very first time, I had I had a, had a terrible headache. Couldn't, but my eyes were hurting. And I went to all these different doctors and no one could fix me. They were going to do like a, a spinal tap on me because they couldn't figure out what's was wrong with me. But before we before I was getting scheduled to the spinal tap, I took my wife and kids to a Native American powwow. As we're walking through the powwow, um, a shaman, or at least that's what I thought he was a shaman came out of like a, 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 a area where they had like the little room set up, right? And he said, "You have something dark attached to you and if you come in here, I'll cleanse you.' Said, okay. I go, how much is this going to cost me? So, no, I'll do it for free. So, I go into this little room, closes the door, and he's got somebody in there beating on a drum, and he's banging it,
6: and he's smudging me, and he's smudging me. And it got to the point where it felt like I was having an out of body experience. It was
3: surreal. And there was so much smoke in the room, you couldn't even see these other two Native
6: Americans. You could just hear them. So, and I guess at some point
3: it was over, and I heard him going through, like, a dresser a dress, a drawer, and I hear him moving rocks around. And he puts a stone in a, in a leather pouch, and he says, wear this from now on, and you'll be okay. You won't have any more issues, the attached to you. So I said, okay. I come out of that little room, and my headache is gone, and I don't need dark glasses to see, and we have a beautiful day. That was in September. That October, um, my daughter dressed up as Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. My son was like a pirate or a cowboy or something. And we had just did the neighborhood with all the other families. And it takes like hours to get around our whole neighborhood. There's a lot of homes here. And um, we come home, put the kids to bed. Um, my wife and I go to bed. and it was the heat was pumping it was really hot in the house so i took that necklace off because i was sweating bullets And so i took it off and i put it on a, on the dresser and i'm laying in bed And at some point i it was like a light that came on into the bedroom you know and when the light came on to the bedroom it kind of woke me up but i wasn't I wasn't in my physical body. I was having an outer body experience. I was on my headboard looking down at my body. And it was two tall, gray aliens trying to elevate me and lift, lift me out the window. And I'm thinking, while they're doing this, I'm thinking, well, first of all, how the hell are you going to get me out the window? It's closed. It's October. You know what I mean? Number one. And number two, I got a 125-pound canine German Shepherd. Why isn't he tearing these things into asshole, you know? And as it's pulling, pulling my body closer to the window, my daughter in the next room screams bloody murder. She's screaming at the top of her lungs. No, you can't have him, you know, and all this stuff. So as soon as that happened, I'm back in my body. The doll jumps up. I jump up. My wife jumps up. We run into the kids' room, and my daughter is wrapped around my son's legs, holding him down. My son has no idea what's going on. He's crying. hysterical. I said, Amanda, what's going on? And she said, Daddy, a light came into the room, and then Dorothy was in the room. And Dorothy wanted to take Nicholas to the light. And Dorothy told me, don't worry, we'll bring him back. But I said, no, you can't have my brother. And I fought with Dorothy. She was fighting. The alien was trying to pull my son, and she was holding him down, you know? And so then we, we tell the kids, okay, don't worry, it's just a bad dream. And we put them back to bed. We put the dog in the room with them, give them a little, you know, feel safe. We go to back to bed, wake up in the morning, I tell my wife, did that really happen last night? You know, was that a bad dream? And she said, no, that really happened. Now, I remember the native, the the shaman telling me, Whatever you do, don't ever take the stone out of the pouch. Don't ever touch it with your hands. If you do, it'll lose all its protection powers. Well, that day, I opened up the pouch and I poured the stone on the bed and I picked it up. And to my surprise, it looked like an elongated alien head with two eyes, nose, and mouth. And I got pictures of that I could send to you. It's the craziest stone you've ever seen. i never seen a stone like with a face on it, and an elongated alien head. So the next year, I go back to the powwow. Now I want to find the shaman who gave me the stone, right? And I go back, and I go back to where his boot was. And he's not around. So I asked I ask somebody who happened to be the promoter. I said, where's this shaman that was in this boot last year? And he looked at me like I was crazy. He was "What shaman. He says, you know, these are Native Americans from this area. They don't have shamans. They have medicine men." Number one, and number two, all the medicine men are set up in the back of the field in the tents. If you want to go talk to them, you got to go talk to the elders, and then they're back there. So I went back there, and I talked to the elders, and I talked to the medicine men. They all said, no, shamans are in South America and um, not up here in North America. We have medicine men and then i showed them the stone i said i think it's a sandstone you know and they all looked at it and they all like well, they, none of them wanted to touch it because it looked like an alien's
6: head you know and they said nope it's not a sandstone we don't use this stone he said they said this is a tiger's eye and it's used in south america in the far east it's not a stone that we use up here in the northeast as protection you know so that really blew my mind and If my
3: daughter didn't wake us up screaming, I would have thought that what I was going through was a dream. You know, she validated
4: them being there, you know. Stay tuned for more Paranormal Odyssey.
3: A few years later, I was going through uh, some issues with my knees from work. I had to get total knee replacement on both legs, and I was in a lot of pain. I was in so much pain that I was ready to just cut both legs off with a chainsaw. I couldn't take the pain anymore. You know, I said I'd rather have uh, prosthetics. I really can't take the pain anymore. And I was—we had moved downstairs to the spare bedroom because my daughter became a teeny bopper, and she got our bedroom. And my son kept it, stayed in his room. So we are downstairs one night. Again, I got 125 pounds German Shepherd sitting at the foot of the bed. Again, the light comes through the window, wakes me up. But now I'm not having an out-of-body experience. I'm awake, you know? And I look down at the foot of my bed where the dog is, and there's two small gray aliens. And they're going like this over my body. I don't know what they were doing, if they were trying to lift me up or what they were doing,
6: but I started thinking in my head, I said, "Oh, maybe they're going to fix my knees and I don't have to get the surgeries, you know, wouldn't that be a beautiful thing? And they're going like this and they're going, like and one
3: of them is getting closer to me along the side of the bed. And then I'm thinking, I wonder if these guys can hear my thoughts. And I look at them and they just ignore me. They Continue to go like this, and the light's coming through the window. And one is getting really, really close to me
6: now. And the thought goes through my mind this guy's a little scrawny dude. I'm a pretty big guy. If I grab
3: him, I wonder if he could make me let him go. And as soon as that thought came into my head, they both looked at me. They went like this, ooh, and they, they blinked out. The light was gone.
4: So they could hear my thoughts. They were just ignoring me, you know? Now, Al, you said they were small, and cetera? Yeah,
3: the the, the last ones were small, yeah.
4: I interviewed a lady back, I think it was Monday, and she has had some UFO experiences, and that she's seen them a couple of times, and she said that they were gray and very small.
3: Yeah, well, the first ones were tall. The first ones were definitely... Five, six feet tall for sure. And these guys were half that size, three feet the most.
4: He said about three or four feet. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. These guys were three feet. And then there was another experience where mm-hmm. my daughter and I were coming home from martial arts class. We did a, a daddy daughter class, you know. We were both doing karate, uh, top keto, and um, taekwondo at the time. And we get in the car. And again, it's a freezing cold night but there's no wind so it's not that cold again it's in late december mid-january i don't remember and we get in the car and we're driving home and my daughter turns to me she was again she must have been like 10 12 years old i think she was like 10 she turns to me and she says daddy there's a ufo following us and i start laughing i'm like what did, I go, Amanda, what makes you think there's a UFO following us, you know? And she says, that light in the sky has been following us since we left the karate school. And I said, okay. And I'm thinking, well, I told her, there's an airport up the street, probably a little Cessna or a helicopter or something like that. It's probably just going to the airport. But we keep stopping for train crossings and stop signs and red lights. And this thing never passes us. How could it not pass us? It doesn't have any red lights up in the sky. Eventually, we get to the airport. This thing is the airport makes a left and goes like south towards the city. We make a right, we go north towards the house. We pull into the driveway. There's no lights on my neighborhood, It's pitch black. We pull into the driveway, The central lights go on. She jumps out of the car to run up, go inside. I'm messing around with all the sparring in the trunk. I'm taking that out of the trunk. And she gets about halfway up the walk, and she starts screaming hysterical. So I look up. and go, what's the matter? She goes, look, Daddy, there's a UFO over the house. And there's a triangle craft parked above my house. Mm. I mean, again, so close I could hit it with a rock. So I'm looking at this craft, and I'm pissed. I'm like, how dare you come to my house? how dare you you know like i'm really really pissed and at
6: this point in time i didn't have any firearm i was into the martial arts and my weapon of
3: choice was a samurai sword. so i go go get your mother and my wife comes out on the deck with my son and she goes what's going on and i go, look up and she looks up and she sees the ufo and she goes oh hell no i don't want anything to do with this and she runs in the house i go in the house i get my dog and I'm sitting there looking at it, and it starts to float by me on the driveway. It gets to my road, and my road is like 100 yards straight, straight towards the woods. It's in pitch black. And I'm standing there. It goes, it comes out to the driveway, it
6: makes a left, and it goes down the road. And again, I'm looking at this. If you blink, you lose it, right?
3: It gets to the end of my road. We have power lines at the end of my road. And it drops out three red balls, just like the other one we've seen 10 years earlier.
4: Al, Al, let me interrupt you real quick. Are you seeing this question here? No, what did I say? Have your children had any more experiences since that time?
3: Um, My son is in denial. He doesn't believe in anything. Um, But my daughter is definitely um, sensitive to energies but um, she hasn't told me anything about you know, the UFO stuff.
4: That's what I was going to say, Al. It seems like you brought your daughter up a couple of times. Does she share your your passion for this subject? Because it seems like she's had some stuff happen to her in her life.
6: Yeah, I
3: think I, not only does she share the passion for it, she's a true believer, and I think she's, um, she's like my mother. I think she has psychic abilities, you know, but she's deadly afraid of him. She not She won't play with him. She won't try to bring him out or anything. My um, um, daughter. My daughter now is twenty eight. Oh, so she's grown. She's, she's grown. She's as a matter of fact, she's pregnant. She's ready to have a baby. And uh, so, um, but she only lives, you know, twenty minutes away from me. So my son moved to the city because that's where he works. So he lives in the city now. He's grown till he's twenty four. But um. You know, this house, this house is pretty weird. I have a mirror downstairs. Um, I was doing an interview on B show one time, B Moss. And we had orbs flying out of the mirror and flying out the back window and then coming back in the window and flying back into the mirror. And B was going crazy because she'd never seen orbs before. She's only seen them in photos. And she goes,
6: did you just see that? An orb? I said, yeah, that mirror's a portal, don't worry about it, you
3: know. She was freaking out. She was really freaking out. But um, to finish the story, I run in the house, I grab my samurai sword, my mag light, and my dog. And I go into those woods with three red balls dropped out. And I go up and down 100 yards each direction, looking for broken branches, smoldering leaves, weird-looking rocks, anything that doesn't look natural. Yeah, because something came out of these crafts, you know what I mean? And I found absolutely nothing. And the whole time I had my wife call me every 15 minutes just to make sure I was still, you know, down the street and everything. But um no, I never found anything that resembled anything unnatural in the woods that night. Yeah. And the dog wasn't acting strange either, you know what I mean? He was just he was just tracking like they always do, you know. Yeah. Yeah,
4: I mean, you know, so those those are some of my some of my um, more memorable accounts, you know. <laughs> uh, well, you you've got your your hand in just about everything, buddy. That yeah, you've made a lot of this. Head.
3: Well, you know what it is. When we started the team, we got into it doing everything because everybody on the team experienced something else. You know, I mean, I happen to experience everything, but and then we were getting invited to symposiums. And people would say, what's the paranormal team doing at a, a ufologist convention? Or what's a ufologist doing at a cryptic convention? So we came up with the idea of creating for other groups that, that we're all direct, Brian and I are directors of. This way, when we go to some symposium, we could put up the right poster and everybody's happy and nobody gives us any shit and I don't have to fight with anybody, you know, and... Uh, because there have been times where I came this close to getting arrested at some of those symposiums, you know. Uh, they pushed me, they pushed my buttons, man. And I was like, you know what, I don't give a shit, you know. I'm, I'm going to kick your effing ass, you know. <laughs> but
4: um, Don't, don't hold know. back, Al. Those no, problems. I mean, you know, it's just, you know,
3: I, I just, look, we're, we're everybody's there for, you know. And I don't care if it's a UFO convention and we got a paranormal poster. We're there to talk UFOs. We're not there to talk paranormal. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. why give a shit? But that's just the way this field is. There's so much so much animosity between between everybody and there's so much paradrama that the real society will never take us serious. You know, that's why we can't get real scientists to jump into this stuff and dig deep because they don't want to get involved in all this paradrama. You know, there's always something going on with somebody. There is.
4: You're right. You're absolutely right. The air on and
3: the I, I don't fight with anybody I just, I just say okay you don't want to know me I wipe my hands of you and I walk away and you'll never hear from me ever again that's the end of it you know I don't give a shit what you say about me you're not going to get me to fight fight back because if I do that it'll never end you know what I mean mm-hmm. if I wipe my hands of you and I block you I don't know what you're saying about me I don't hear what you're saying about me it doesn't
4: matter you know and, I, and I'm done with you that's just the way I am I agree with you hundred percent, man. If if we don't stop all the bickering and, and get united, nothing ever nothing's ever gonna come of this stuff. There's
3: always shit going on. Always, always something going on. I mean, just the nonsense that happened recently with the North American Dogman project that just proves my point. You know what I mean? There's always something happens somewhere in it. And it's no different in with the ufologists or the paranormal people, like, right? you know, cause I associate with everybody. I hear it from all different sides, you know, you,
4: you know, since you brought up the, all the stuff going on with the dog man project, I, we haven't spoke about that on here, but, and I'm not going to, cause I don't have any of the inside information, but I'm gonna have some, but not a lot. All the, the parties involved with that. I had interviewed in like a month's time. But it's, <laughs> It's weird, man. Yes. Yeah, anyway, man, we, uh, we are here at that hour mark, buddy. I, I can't thank you enough for stepping up and, and no helping problem. his brother out when he needed you.
3: Yeah, and I mean, you know, Brian has stepped in for me a couple of times when I was sick with COVID or something, you know what I mean? And I call him
6: and say, listen, dude, I just ain't got to head first. You got you to gotta, you gotta jump in for me.
3: And he's always done it for me. And of course, I would do it for you or him or anybody, you know, any of my friends. You know, it's not a big deal
4: awesome awesome man and i appreciate you taking the time tonight to hang out with this and you know we're not done with you we'll we'll have you back at some point
3: <laughs> whenever you're ready you let me know you know and i mean we'll talk dog man i guess Okay.
4: all right buddy have a good night all right good,
3: good night, night everybody bye. good
2: night nice meeting you, lisa ciao bye they say you don't gotta go home but you can't stay here